0: Hello, everyone. You're listening to UCLA Radio, and this is Came a Long Way by Ella. And I have a very special guest here with me today, Felicia Fan, to welcome.
1: Hi, how are you? Good. Let me start over, so it's Felicia. Felicia Fans. Yes. Okay, so to make sure. We mm-hmm.
0: right. Hi, um, everybody. So for some of our listeners who might not know, um, you are the co-head of um, Urban Music and Columbia Records. Yes, I am. And um, I just want to start off by asking you, um, how did you get into the industry, and can you take us to the early days of your career? What were your goals and ambitions back then?
1: Um, So I guess I could start with, I'm from Marietta, Georgia, Um, went to college at Spelman, which is in Atlanta, Georgia, and I wasn't quite sure when I started, but I was an English major and writing minor. So what happened is one lucky day, I saw a posting in the cafeteria saying, looking for English majors who want to be in journalism or publicity at CNN. So I took that internship, which was publicity, and learned about what that was and how it could actually partner with my major, which was English in writing. Um, From that internship, I then went to UPS Corporate, again in publicity, but recognized that I didn't want to do a corporate side of publicity. I wanted to be more, I guess, in touch with artists. How that would happen, I didn't really know, but I knew it was happening because I started to see the surgeons of music from LaFace Records. LaFace Records was in Atlanta. It was 1996, so it was Outkast. It was Goody Mob. It was TLC. It was all the things that started to come out of the Atlanta scene, along with the Olympics coming to Atlanta. So there was just a revival in Atlanta in general. And I learned about the music industry from these pockets. So I joined a street team at the time that allowed me to kind of go into the clubs in college, make a little bit of money, and then again see these artists kind of out and about in the industry. And then it led me to an internship at the radio station. As I sit here, (laughs) I kind of feel like, oh, this is the first time in a radio booth. But I took an internship at the radio station as an entertainment coordinator with my best friend. And that was my entry point. And I was working under under the program director. His name was Shaka Zulu, who is now the head of Spotify, um, Urban. And then Chris Lovaleva, who is now Ludacris. So we were part of that, I think, inception of seeing Chris Lova become ludicrous, and then all the different things. Again, seeing Destiny's Child for the first time walk into the radio station, I was hooked. I was like, what is this business? What is the music business? So from there, I continued to try to figure out how to get to New York. That was my final decision. I'm like, I got to leave Atlanta because I saw the shift of everyone moving to New York, and I want to be part of that shift. So finally landed a job, I thought, um, in PR, which was a little bit weird, a little bit convoluted, so I started temping, actually, um, at a deco. And a deco placed me at Universal Records and New Line Cinema at the same time. So I would kind of alternate between days working at New Line Cinema because it could have been maybe I do publicity for film. It wasn't necessarily music because I was still a writing minor in English major. So I always had a desire to kind of just see entertainment as a multifaceted situation, not just one lane. And then... I finally got a call saying that they wanted to use me as a long-term temp at Universal. So with that said, I kind of experimented in different departments. It was not just publicity. It was just getting in the building. And I think people have to understand sometimes it's not your ideal job at first, but it's important to be in the building and kind of learn the system. So I was able to learn radio. I was able to learn sales. I was in the executive office with, you know, the current president. So I saw all the different sides of the business before the actual PR position opened up. So when it did open up, of course, I was interviewed for it. Um, temped in that position for another month and a half before she, Serena Gallagher, offered me the full-time position as publicity assistant at Motown Records. So I was able to then start on people like, you know, Eric Badu, Brian McKnight, 702, um, and kind of work my way up at Universal Records for 10 years before becoming the vice president of publicity and then had the opportunity coming off of artists like Kid Cudi and JoJo and, you know, Melanie Fiona and Akon and I mean, if you can go down the list of all the people that were, again, people you touch, people you see, Three Doors Down, you know, Lindsay Lohan, these are all different projects, Amy Winehouse that I was able to interface with and of course, even Prince. So, 10 years of this career and then getting the opportunity to then say, what's the next step? And I got an opportunity to go to Warner Brothers Records, which is now Warner Records. Um, Lear Cohen recruited me there and Todd Moskowitz and Joy Manda who are at Interscope and at Alamo Records now and I was there for seven years. So again, another reiteration of publicity in the sense that I was working B.B. Rexa and I was working Andrew Day and Gary Clark Jr. and all these various, Galant, all these various artists that to this day are, you know, of course thriving and I'm excited to be around. But what I saw in this job is that I wanted to do more than just publicity. I had saw myself as a multi-hyphenate And I was doing a little bit of marketing, a little bit of events, a little bit of lifestyle opportunities, a little bit of everything. And I realized that's really what's important in building a brand to an artist. It's not just one thing. So to really make an artist, you have to kind of know all the things that can make this artist special. So is it fashion? Is it film? What people do I need to know to orchestrate a true brand narrative for an artist? So that kind of led me to want to expand out of just PR. And I added lifestyle marketing to my title. And then that allowed me to, again, help in sync, help in you know, brand partnerships, all the things that really make me feel like I was the qualified executive to now have this job at Columbia Records where I'm head of urban music with my partner Sean Holiday. And that's been the greatest experience, I think, of my life to date is that I'm actually able to use these skill sets and this Rolodex to do more than just not only the wonderful world of publicity, but bring opportunities from every part or every lane to make sure that we build an incredible artist. And we've done that with artists like Lil Nas X. And I'm really excited so that's kind of the quick version of my 20-year rise in the music business. And um, going off of that, so
0: you worked at so many different labels, so many different mm-hmm. places that are um, global companies. And how like working with um, some of the most iconic companies in the music industry impact your growth? Um, as a person, and what were some of the things that you discovered about yourself along the way?
1: I mean, I think the key word is global and corporation. Those two things are very important. While I do love the idea of something boutique, I've always been at a global corporation, so you see the music business as a global scale, and you see how it affects people around the world. And I think it's really hard to understand, and I think more than anything now streaming really shows you how it affects people around the world and how you're able to now see different markets, you know come to prominence. You know we talk about Nigeria and Ghana, things that of course you see on a map and now you're hearing their music. So I think you really understand that music affects everyone. You know, of course you know about the UK or Germany or Australia and all these places, but as streaming is more um, prevalent in different markets, you really are starting to understand how people are affected by music. And again, what is working, what is not working, you know, and how different sounds come to your ear and how these things really affect you, you know, and how it affects your listening. So I think it's powerful. I think it's, something that's you know also a lot to grasp if you are not used to something this vast because there's so many departments there's so many things that make a record come out so you have to think about the strategy of how something's not only working in your scope of you know America your scope of Los Angeles New York wherever you live you have to also look at how markets you know like Kansas or Detroit or Philadelphia are affected music and then you start to see how different artists start to bubble from these regions through local, you know, DJs or local performances. And that helps you really understand how music comes to a full circle place and then how you bleed it out. You know, you don't want something to just stay in one place. So you want to grow artists. You want to make sure that you're having the opportunity to take them from one place like Philadelphia to around the world. And when you see these things happen, it's amazing. Like we look at our artist, Little TJ, who just had his first shows in London and they're sold out. And I think this guy is, what, 18 years old. And he's like, wait a minute, there's people in London listening to me, and it's like, yes, they are, and they're coming to your show, and it's 3,000 people who, again, of course, they speak English, so, of course, that's not as... When I say that, I mean that in the sense that they know the words, but you think about the people who don't know the words and the fact that there's people who do not grow up speaking your native tongue that then get to understand you, and that then shows you the impact of music as a global force and how music really brings people together. So, again, the corporations have always allowed me to see... Music on a global scale, which makes me understand the importance of, you know, getting it right for these artists and how you can take them from, again, one little spot on the map to every territory and truly build a brand and have somebody affect change in a global way. So I think that's the best way to talk about it.
0: And um, based on the um, experience that I had with our previous guests, I saw that getting out of your comfort zone is a really important part in um, becoming successful in mm-hmm. this industry. So um, how do you um, keep on motivating yourself to take on to the next challenge?
1: I think getting out of your comfort zone is really just being able to trust your gut and take risks. You know, life is about taking risks. Um, there's a book called Blockbuster Strategy that I read when I was taking Anita, needle um, Anita's class, who is a great professor at Harvard. And part of that is everything happens with risk, you know, and you might not be right all the time. So you can't go into every situation saying, i make the right decision. But you have to make the best decision based on your informed decision. So you have to take every opportunity to take time to study what you're trying to put into the universe and, and give time to understand that. Again, you may make mistakes, but part of making mistakes is learning from the mistakes so you can be better. So every day, especially with a situation where you're working records that are now moved and shifted by culture, you have to understand that something could be high or low. Some situation could prevent an artist from being played the next day. Some artist could decide he doesn't want to wake up in the morning. Some artist decided, you know what, I didn't like my hair today. So she's like, I don't want to go. You never know because you're dealing with a human product. So when dealing with a person, your life is always going to be, I would say, a little bit in flux. And you have to respect the fact that these are humans and they are going to have highs and lows and you have to respect their highs and lows. These are creative beings, you know, so some days they wanna create, some days they wanna stay at home. So that alone has to make you be a little more um, emotionally aware, emotionally intelligent, um, patient, and again, really critical about decisions you make that will impact a human for the rest of their lives. So again, you're not talking about a water bottle, you're talking about a person in their career. So every decision that you make has to come with thought It has to come with calculation, but it also has to be able to be not so contrived and constricted that you do not trust your gut at times to make a decision that could change someone's, you know, career for the rest of their lives. I hope that makes sense.
0: Yeah, it does. And um, now that um, you transitioned from like being an SVP in publicity to actually being like the head of the entire department, the urban Mm -hmm. department. So how did your responsibilities changed from an SVP to a head of urban music?
1: I think when you're an executive, you're an executive. I think that responsibilities come um, with different, I would say, experiences. You know, what this has done is made my role more expansive. So not only just PR, and I think people can't underestimate publicity. This is a a job where you're on the front line. You know what I'm saying? You're dealing with calls, you're dealing with the feeling of emotions, you're dealing with someone saying something on Twitter that's going to go crazy. So you're always in a situation when you have to be kind of on it. But I think this role allows me to to look at the different ways of how each department affects it in a in a higher, um, I guess a higher position. I don't mean like a higher position in, in where I sit, but how, how everybody has to pour in to make a project work. And I think when you're in one department, sometimes you're only thinking about your department because you want to make sure that, you know, you do everything right, you know, like, if the sales team is like, I gotta get this song playlisted, this person's like, I gotta get this artist on the cover of a magazine. But I think from where I sit, I have the opportunity to to really be part of a team and look at how the team has to work to make something work to its best potential, you know, and looking at all the different sides of saying, okay, this cover makes sense, but does this cover make sense over this performance of the show? Or does this make sense to do this performance over playlisting this song right now and when should we playlist and it's not necessarily again just my decision it's me listening at everyone's decision from the team and make sure we make the most informed decision so I would say it's more important now for me to understand the idea of working with the team and and being responsible for an outcome that the team feels proud about that's the best way to say the new position is that you are more team focused you are more um, organized in your thoughts and you're more um, focused on making decisions based on everyone pouring in to a greater outcome
0: and what are some of the like key qualities you look for in a team
1: i think communication is really the only thing you can look for um everyone's different you know that's what makes any team special nothing great i think comes from something that's monolithic um you want everyone's passions you want everyone's desires you want everyone's opinions to come together to to bring out the best in something so i think Did I answer the question? I think I got off track. What was the question one more time?
0: Um, What are some of the key qualities you look for in a team?
1: Yes, communication and ideas. You know, we have to challenge each other, but we have to challenge, challenge each other knowing that we might not always agree. I think that it's okay to not agree. It's okay to not always have the answer either. You know, part of being a team is saying, I can take a step back for this person's idea to manifest itself or listen to everyone's idea to see what manifests itself the most. But I think the best part about a team is communication and also winning together, you know? It feels good to win as a team, and Columbia is winning, and that's a great (laughs) feeling to have right now.
0: So I see that success has a different meaning for everyone, and um, I just, for some people, it's like financial progress, and for others, it's doing what you love and what you're passionate about. So how would you define success for yourself?
1: I think, of course, no one wants to ever do something and not make money off of it and be successful. But I think successful to me is really living in your purpose and your truth. If you do not feel good when you go to work, if you don't feel good when you go home, and I don't mean natural stresses that come with work, that, that's going to happen. But if you don't wake up knowing that you're living your purpose and that you're actually speaking your voice every day, then it's kind of like, what's the point? And so I think over time I've had to say, like, what is going to make me be my best Felicia? What's going to make me show up at work every day? And that's knowing that I have to put my opinion out. I'm getting paid for my opinion, so I have to give it, you know, and I would be letting artists down, especially within the culture that I represent, by not sticking up for the things that affect the culture. You know, it is not saying that the culture doesn't belong to everybody. But if I'm saying that I'm an expert in it, then I have to be able to show up and give advice to make sure that people who may not be experts in it understand to respect it. So that's my job. And if I am doing my job correctly, then I'm also speaking out for the people that are affected by my culture.
0: And i think um it's easier for people to understand through um real life examples that you had within Mm. the industry so can you share with us a moment where you were really challenged and how you overcame that situation
1: Mm, i think i'm challenged every day but i think it's something as simple as you know hair care we are dealing with female artists who are not um who are african-american and who have a different hair texture so it's my job on a set to say if this person is not comfortable with this hair texture, they should not be doing their hair. And I know that sounds, you know, something simple, but again, this artist has to show up, they have to feel great. So I have to be willing to speak up for artists who sometimes can't speak up for themselves. And that's something simple, but there could be something as simple as, you know, a bad performance, a bad microphone, a bad vibe, you know, like you're constantly looking for things to make sure the artist is protected. So, you know, not to put too much business out because you can kind of always trace things back to something. But if you just know that, people want something when they want it, you know, and they want to make something happen when they want to make it happen. And so sometimes that's just not always possible. So there's times when artists maybe just need a break or they don't feel like performing or it's just not their day. They might be off. So I'm constantly protecting those situations and being prepared to think about what may happen if a person's off, you know, and the things that can make a person off is not feeling good about how they look, you know, not liking their outfit. I remember a rapper one time, we had a, big listening session he just did not like his outfit and everyone's like why is he making a big deal but I'm like this is his first time this is his first time being in a room with people who are not just his peers but people who are now his people that he idolizes you know and he wanted to show up and look a certain way so you have to be able to understand the thing that might be simple to you may be a big deal to them and kind of take yourself out of your own ego to see what's manifesting in them and what fears they're trying to deal with. And you have to kind of push through. So there's always going to be something that um, I feel like I probably navigated. You know, I can think about plenty of award shows where, you know, a person got on the wrong flight. And I'm like, "Um, if we don't get them on a jet, they're not going to make this award show. And I just had to tell the book of the truth. And, of course, it's crazy to go ask somebody for a jet um, on the same day of a show. But that's something that happened, and they went and got the jet but it was also an iconic performance. So I said, it's, it's highs and lows, you know, that sounds funny, but it's also stressful, but it's also the things that you have to do, that you have to think about to, to make something happen. And you always have to be ready to understand that again, this is a pivot industry. Be ready to pivot and be ready to show up for it. And
0: um, do you have like a certain routine that you have to kind of like cope with the stress within
1: this like fast paced environment? I love acupuncture. I think acupuncture <laughs> is great. At first, I was scared of it, but I think it's because I have to sit still. I am a person that moves a lot, so I'm like, uh, eh, I have needles in me. <laughs> so I actually have to just sit here and relax and go into the zone of what it's supposed to do. You know, so I love acupuncture. And then, of course, sometimes you get off, but nothing's better than working out. You know, you really can hold stress. So it's something as simple as, you know, in the morning, I'm more of a gym person. but On the weekends, I really like to see outside and have a hike. Nothing to me is better than the connectivity of you with the earth. And kind of touching and then seeing kind of what the wonders of the universe make you know you're like wait i'm at the top of a mountain like i mean you're going i'm like why would i walk up the top of a mountain but being on the top of a mountain has so many thoughts to it it's kind of a double entendre of being on top of the world and then seeing yourself come from the bottom to the top there's so many ways to look at that so a nice hike which is something i was like why do people hike in la what is the big deal but (laughs) i understand now so i just had a hike this morning with one of my great friends who's actually little nas x movement coach um kj rose so we hiked this morning and again we, we set our intentions and sometimes that's what you have to do you have to just get up and like refocus and recalibrate and set your intentions every day and keep going
0: we came to my favorite part of the show um, my favorite question to ask so i'm going to give you three different years in the fast and i want you to give us an important memory from each okay and the first year would be 2005.
1: First of all, Ella almost got me with this, but I like it now. So it's actually <laughs> perfect because it, it's actually milestones of my career and the artists that I think move me the most. So 2005 was JoJo. Um, I think we were at the Teen Choice Awards or some carpet, and I'm just like, this is my baby girl and she's a star. You know, I've known Jozo, JoJo since she was 12 years old. Um, and we put out Leave, Get Out when she was 13. Her first video shoots, her first photo shoot. So to see her flourish into this great young woman that she is and do it her way and be so strong has always been something that I am proud of. But JoJo was my first entry point in understanding like what it really meant to be a publicist. Like I had been an assistant to a lot of projects, but this was the first one that was mine to shape. And she was like my little sister. And I'm like, you know, I'm only 10 years older than her and I am taking her around the world. So to see her do you know Ellen to Fallon to all the shows that are no longer here like you know Sharon Osbourne had a show I'm sure you guys don't even know this but she was the person to you know have the record at TRL you know so I just think that time frame but 2005 says Jojo to me so that was great okay
0: and moving on 2010
1: and this goes to another person who was a milestone in my career and that's Kid Cudi um this was a person who again did it his own way who when he first came into, I think, the rap, quote, music scene, it was this evolution of what a rapper feels like, what a rapper looks like, and what a, rap, a rapper sounds like. And he was fearless in that. You know, you had, of course, Day and Night, but then he had Man on Man on the Moon, and then he had Man on the Moon 2. And, you know, from songs like Day and Night to Mr. Rager to, you know, um, just just all the different bodies of work that came out of, you know, Cuddy's Own, um, Pursuit of Happiness. You know, and the fact that he was not only working with, I think, what you thought he should work with. It was Band of Horses. It was MGMT. He just was this, you know, real multi-hyphenate, fearless individual. And so that was, again, one of the best times of my life with Nigel Mack, who was an A&R at um, Universal and Plain Pat and Emil Haney. Like, we were together all the time, you know, with this artist who just was changing boundaries. I remember his first shoot in GQ. I remember his three covers on Complex. But he was... And still is um, a hybrid of, I think, Travis Scott. And there would be no Travis Scott without Kid Cudi. There would be no, you know, Trippy Red. There would be no Juice World without Kid Cudi because he evoked emotion. If you listen to most of um, Kanye's records, you can hear him in the back, his legendary hum. But this was an honor to have him as one of my artists that I think, again, shaped my career and actually led me to my next phase, which was Warner Records, which is now. Warner Records before, it was Warner Brothers Records, but yes. But Kid Cuddy allowed me to meet Lera Cohen one crazy day, um, and that was how I was introduced to my next phase of my career, which was moving to L.A. So, yeah. And moving on to 2015. In 2015 was my baby girl, Andrew Day. Um, she had a song called Rise Up that, you know, was not what you would say a commercial radio hit, but it was a cultural hit. It was something that moved people in ways that I haven't seen move people probably to this day. It, was a, it became an anthem of hope. So, you know, it was CNN Heroes. It was the Oscars. It was, you know, the Grammys. And I'm saying that actually of her second song, Stand for Something. But everything she did moved people. You know, it was something about her voice, something about her, her energy um, and her confidence to, to present herself the way she wanted to. And again, this true artistry saying that you can't touch my image. This is who I want to be. And she taught me a lot about strength and resilience and also prayer, you know, and what it means to really be patient and take your time and understand what you want to manifest because what you say and what you do is really important. And the words you use and speak to yourself are really important. So speak to yourself of kindness, um, believe in yourself and, and treat people a certain way. And that's why Andrea has had such a great career and is now going to be a star of a movie where she plays Billie Holiday because she keeps doing it her way. So I think... There was a lesson in all of those artists that you mentioned. It was, one, pushing me out of my comfort zone with JoJo. Mm-hmm. Two, trusting that I could then take Kid Cudi and trust where he wanted to go and let him lead you know, his direction. And then three, trusting myself once again to say, I'm here. I've been in this business for now, you know, at this point, 21 years. I know what I'm doing, but also trusting that an artist should be able to lead and should trust their guidance because they're the artist. So those are three people that have really helped build my career, shape my career, and make me a better person.
0: And um, if you could go back in time and give your younger self an advice, what would that advice be?
1: I always would say, I think it's like slow down, but not slow down. It's more so just um, trust the process. Um, that's something that someone says, said to me a long time ago, But you really have to. If you are doing what you love with integrity, everything's going to be okay.
0: And um, what would you call this chapter of your life and why?
1: This chapter is, ooh, this chapter is, it's okay, Felicia. You earn this. You earn the right to sit at the table. You earn the right to have a voice. You earn the right to be where you are. Now use this time wisely and make a difference.
0: And um, a lot of our listeners are usually like current college students or they're either recent graduates who are aspiring to be in the music industry. And they may know that their passion is music, but they may be feeling like kind of lost towards the, um, going through the process. So what would your advice be to young
1: I, professionals? I don't like to use the word lost. You're not lost. You're mm-hmm. multi-hyphenates. You know, you shouldn't have to pick one thing right now. You should actually learn as much as you can about everything so you can figure out what things make you click, you know? and what things motivate you. So if you like a little bit of this and a little bit of that, that's actually okay. Don't be so focused on one thing instead of saying, I'm going to learn this thing so I can understand it, and then I'm going to learn this next thing so I can understand it. And then after I learn all these things, I will then be able to make an informed decision about what I want to do. I think that's what word you can't use. I think loss makes you feel like you're hopeless. Loss makes you feel like you're doing something wrong. You're not doing something wrong. You're just trying to figure out what you want to do right. So take each step and each opportunity and learn it. And take time to really absorb it and not be so quick to see what's in front of you and live in the present moment to understand what's literally happening to you right now. I think the more you try to get ahead of yourself and not be present, you miss out on the baby steps and the details that make you a better executive. And so that is my advice to anyone that is still going where they want to go or trying to be where they want to be. Just take a second to to absorb the moment and live in the present time and, and be okay with advice. Be okay with making mistakes. but Be okay with the advice that's given to you. And then, you know, understand that as you're trying to develop mentors and you're trying to figure out how to network, that takes time too, you know? Um, People have to get to know each other naturally. It's just human nature. So don't be turned off or be upset, but understand that, again, if you approach somebody on a bad day, maybe they were having a bad day. It has nothing to do with you. So take a second to just remember that everyone is human in this business and artists are human. You are not dealing with products. You're dealing with people. And people want you to learn people skills.
0: Well, thank you so much for being here today. It actually means a lot to us and to our listeners thank to you, be learning Ella. from your experiences. Awesome. So um, we will hope to see you again. And thank you so much for being here today. Okay,
1: great. Thank you. Thanks, ladies. Okay, let's take a selfie.
0: For more, subscribe to Came Along Way on Came Along Way Apple podcast page. And follow us on Instagram at Came Along Way.